I'm a black for 312 day with Goose Island, do 312 and Dynasty Podcast. I am here with honestly a staggeringly incredible lineup of panelists uh, tonight. And we're going to be talking about live music in Chicago, the future of live music in Chicago, all these kind of topics. I'm going to run down the list of who we have very quickly, but then I'd really love for everyone to kind of like give us a proper introduction. So, in no order tonight, we are joined by Dom Brown from Oris Presents and Activate Shy, uh, Pepe Vargas from International Latino Cultural Center of Chicago, Molly Mobley from Empty Bottle and 16 on Center, Katie Tutton from Hideout Chicago, Civil and Neva, Adam Thurston from Lincoln Hall, Shubas and Audio Tree, and Juan Teague from One and Only Events. What an incredible lineup. Thank you all for being here tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. It's it's a minor miracle to get this many people even on a Zoom call, let alone in one room. Um, and I know I gave us a really quick rundown, but I'd love if everyone kind of went around the Zoom chat and, you know, tell us who you are, what you do in Chicago music, because you're going to give a better intro for yourself than I am. So uh, I am Dom Brown, formerly of Porn and Chicken. And uh, now I am a partner of Oris Presents, which is the company that books and operates uh, Prism, uh, Radius, and we've got some forthcoming uh, entities coming, as well as our festival, Arc Music Festival. Um, and I also am the chairman of Activate Shy, which is a, a non-for-profit looking to uh, amplify voices for those who are marginalized and change the perception of participation for activism. We believe that everyone can be an activist and uh, we're just looking to help them achieve that. Yeah. And Dom, I got to say, I cannot wait to check out Radius. It looks incredible from what I've seen. Well, that's not all we have up our sleeve, brother. Ugh. Nice. Right on. Who's next? My name is Molly Mobley. I am the lead talent buyer for Empty Bottle here in Chicago. Um, prior to working at the Bottle, which uh, I started about six months before quarantine began. I was at Paradigm Talent Agency. I've been there for about five years. Um, I was an agent assistant working with uh, some artists such as The Drums, Krungbin, uh, Twin Peaks, and Amon Dunes, to name a few. Um, and then kind of intermittently, I have also worked at Lincoln Hall and Shubas, shout out Adam, um, Reckless Records, and Carrot Top here in Chicago as well. Cool, uh, maybe I'll jump in next year. Uh, my name's Adam Thurston, and uh, yeah, I'm a COO, co-founder of Audio Tree, as well as uh, Shubas and Lincoln Hall. We also uh, purchased in 2015 and own and operate those. Uh, Audio Tree, we do a number of different things from, um, we're kind of a music discovery platform is what we like to say, but we have a studio in Wicker Park where we record a bunch of uh, live sessions we call Audio Tree Live and do a number of other things. Uh, in the like production and media space as well, along with running the, the two venues as well. My name is Katie Tutton. I'm one of the owners of The Hideout. We've owned The Hideout for 25 years, or as my father would say, you don't own The Hideout, we own The Hideout, one beer at a time, <laughs> which is really true. Um, I am co-founder of School uh, with my husband, Tim, the Chicago Independent Venue League and one of the founding members of the National Independent Venue Association. Um, I spent 30 years in the not-for-profit world, community organizing, working with people who are housing insecure, food programs, et cetera. So that's me. Sure, so I'm Juan T with Juan and Oli, 
And um, we are a production company that pretty much produce and um, produce and co-produce festivals on different levels um, from Office with Common. And we've also partnered with React and now with um, the Radius team. So we basically come in and assist with different companies. But alongside that, one of our biggest things lately since COVID is really being like an advocacy point for all of the gig workers that are in the entertainment industry. Now, my turn, I suppose, Pepe Vargas. I am the founder of the International Latino Cultural Center of Chicago. We are, I guess, better known because of Chicago Latino Film Festival, which pretty soon is going to happen. That will be the 37th Chicago Latino Film Festival. But out of the film festival, we have had a lot of music, tango, flamenco, mariachis, samba, uh, what else we do, Afro-Caribbean music we do. And we created a Latino classical music. We did 14 editions of that. And the pandemic came and so we had to put aside last year the whole thing and did not happen. Now we have done several concerts online. Keep doing that. Ours are not mega events, and smaller events, uh, 200, 300 people maximum. Uh, we have had concerts, big ones, but uh, in general, trying to be a small ones, have helped uh, Rido Fest. We have worked with them at North Coast. Uh, they wanted us to help uh, kind of get the Latino crowd there. and. And because we have a big outreach to the uh, Latino community, uh, we engage in those things and we help. So all of you, you know, here tonight, you're all live event professionals. And obviously we are at a turning point for live events on kind of every level. So, you know, looking forward, what, if anything, are all of you going to do differently for live events, whether, you know, kind of in this moment right now or in the near or long-term future? Are you approaching live events differently? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's no real way to kind of continue doing what we were doing without addressing the elephant in the room. You know, for us, we're gearing up to try and produce a music festival in the fall, you know, with guidelines permitting. And so right now, you know, our biggest research is how to safely get our patrons in and, uh, you know, manage not spreading or causing any more damage to uh, what, what's already happened to us. So, you know, whereas I would be gearing up to be talking about experiential and gearing up to be training people for, you know, different bar positions. Right now, I'm looking into, uh, you know, a mix of COVID tests, uh, rapid COVID tests, looking at social distancing bracelets, looking at, you know, vaccine passports, um, and, you know, ways that we can safely produce a, a live event. And then for our venues, you know, uh, it gets even more tedious than that. So in terms of pushing forward, it's it's exciting to be able to start again, but it's also, uh, it's just an interesting way forward, which uh, that we'll have to move. Katie, I know she has something. Look, I just called you out because I mean, like, you're the, you're the, you're the czar in this. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I'm, uh, someone else is in charge of reopening. I was like, I, I was in charge of getting the 15 billion. I'm right. going to pass opening to right <laughs> uh, no small task yeah right but you know kind of I totally agree I mean we have just had to learn very quickly how how we can adjust I'm sure 
all of us have been, you know, clip, scrubbing down our venues, painting the, you know, bathrooms we've been painting for years and just, you know, I and mean, we're going to take it a little bit at a time. I mean, every day something new changes. And so today we're, we're very positive, feeling good about the fact that yesterday U of I, um, their saliva test has gotten the FDA approval, like bam. Um, Johnson Johnson coming on board, beautiful. United Center, you know, it's great. 65 and older, I have some friends that are uh, delivering food to some folks who are 65 and over on the uh, older. So they're gonna bring the phone number to these seniors so they know to go and we just can't stop. You know, it's what we do. I mean, we go to bed a little bit earlier, but you know, we'd be up till two, three in the morning, but you know, that's a little bit of a change unless we're watching a bad movie or something. I mean, we have to be careful and, and start risking things. Yeah. yeah. We host uh, an event back in September actually too in a place that uh, could accommodate 300 people, but uh, we were forced to keep it at 50. It was, it was highly emotional, and to me also extremely strange, uh, introducing an event where you could have 400 people to 50 people. Uh, but it was, it was a reaffirmation that life is here, that we are alive, healthy, and that we have to take care of ourselves, make sure that we don't, uh, that we are not a part of the problem, that we are a part of the solution. And taking care, people were wearing masks, and uh, we really didn't have to enforce that. Uh, it was in a bar, uh, but uh, I mean, the bartender were working with a, with a mask, and then the uh, waitress were tending the tables, there was food, it was good. I basically something that we uh, were craving too, and and in, in a way it makes us very happy, reassured that uh, that things will be different. If there's this, we we can't look at the past. Is how can we start adjusting too? And for instance, for the film festival, we decide not to go back to the theaters. The theaters are open. Um, I do think people will go back, but we wouldn't make it financially speaking. It's a lot of uh, logistics and a lot of expenses attached to an event that will be attended by, uh, first the team have to limit that to 40%. And 40% in a place that is 200, it will be 70, 80 people maximum. You can't really make it with that. And therefore I basically, what we learn with the virtual platform, we'll be using that and and certainly we are eager to see what happened with that and and, and next year, how can we uh, really do both theaters uh, and, 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 and the virtual thing. And the same thing applies for the concerts. Um, we are thinking of a streaming some of the concerts. We are planning one that we will have a live attendance uh, limited to the number of people. I mean, the, the concert that we have broadcast uh, streaming, there were one, um, I wasn't there, but it was in a place that was 30,000 people and it, uh, it was limited to 200 people. And the camera work was done in a place, also the uh, and all of those things worked out. It was emotional.
but then uh, having the link and then sharing that with everyone else is, is beautiful. I don't know if you had a chance to see Marisa. Uh, she's been at the Symphony Center. I've been there, 3,000 plus people there. And this time she broadcast from her home in Lisbon and a small group. And it was very cozy, very intimate talking. And, and it was, I mean, it was $50, $44 a day the ticket. University, University of Chicago is doing that. And so things are happening. And I think we had to be optimistic and, uh, and at the same time, very careful without really being too careful, careful, optimistic, knowing that uh, the future is here for us too. And if we, are, if we wanted to be part of that and leave something after that, we have to take care of ourselves first and make sure that we don't uh, do anything crazy and, and expose people to dangerous situations that uh, then we will regret. I was just say, I would just simply say as, as venue owners, as people that are doing events, I think my only thing is to say when you're doing it and walking in, act as if it's one of your family members and just do everything safely according to you don't want one of your families to lose their lives. So if you do that, I think you will always do it right if you think that how would this impact someone in my family? And I think if you do that, you'll be and look at the websites for the city and state. And if you don't know how to do it. Um, you have so many resources from Neva, Civil, City of Chicago website, DCEO website to understand how do you do these things safely? How do you sanitize? If you just go to those resources, you can't go wrong and you will do well. And that's how I'm going to do events and things of that sort. I definitely think that for me, like a lot of like, I, I know that events are going to come back and I know that we're going to get back to that space and it's definitely like a trans transitional phase that's going to take us a while to master and like definitely keeping being mindful of like how we're part of the solution and not part of the problem is really important and like stressing that everybody is like thinking of them as a family member and I think that also extends into the world of like how we curate our spaces to be safe for everybody outside of health like that's something that I have definitely thought of a lot in this past year of like how do we make sure that our venues and all of these things are the most inclusive spaces, safe spaces for everyone? I've thought a lot about like, you know, initiatives within the venue that really like help and support, you know, artists, whether it's providing them with mental health resources, like, you know, it's it's crazy to go from a life of being at home for a year to being out on the road for a year and like how much of like a mental toll that can take on somebody. So I want it to be more in our space of like, caring about each individual who comes through our room on a really, really like intimate level, as opposed to just being kind of like a robotic, like this is just another show at Bottle, it's seven nights a week kind of thing, you know, like I really want for at least our space to like hone in on the ways that we can really like support the community within our own space. And and I think, you know, this was brought up already, but you know, are any of you doing any shows that are like drive-in shows or live stream shows? And, you know, what is it like to take this model that all of you as live professionals know inside and out, and then really have to, you know, find some ways to be adaptive with it. You know, being in this business, we are so well practiced at the pivot and we're always thinking, you know, we make plans to break plans. <laughs> you know, Nothing ever goes exactly, uh, you know, how you plan it. And I think that's what's made this so interesting because those of us that are in this industry that 
you know, uh, are on our feet daily, you know, making changes and switching things, we were able to adapt and overcome really quickly, you know, and there's, there's a, say, a saying that I heard, or maybe it was like a meme or something, but it was like, if 2020 didn't bring the hustle out of you, you're just not a hustler, you know, and I feel like, there's so many of us that like, you know, we sat on our, on our, our hands for a while at radius and we had just announced Oris as a brand new company, you know, and we were getting ready to come out of the gate with more than I can even say, you know? And so it was really that, that pivot, you know, like we can't just stop now, you know, we have to, and just knowing that like so many fans and so many artists and being an artist myself, being out of work, it, it becomes just not about you. And just like, uh, just like Molly was saying, it's, it's, it's more about the community because our community was left, you know, left in the dark. We were, we were hung out to dry. Yeah. We, um, we started streaming like week two and primarily it was, to stay connected with community because we realized a lot of people were home alone. The creatives needed a place in which to um, create. And so we've been streaming and as Molly would say, we become like retailers of shirts, but- We are production houses. We are merch companies. <laughs> yeah, we're now Twitch professionals. We are, you know, DJs, and, you know, it's it's crazy. We And your broadcast companies. Yeah, we yeah. produced a, a drive-in that was that was so hard to do. It was it was so hard to do when you you think about you know producing this drive-in and delivering an, an experience at, at a at a live music kind of caliber. It was very challenging, but the payoff was that uh, you know so many fans had finally got something to do, and an artist finally got to play. So you know it, it it's beautiful because now we know that we're capable. You know, and in the future, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody on this this panel knew that they were capable, but to show and prove that you are capable and the value that is now placed on, you know, I've always valued our patrons, but now, you know, the, the connection that we have, because people knew that in order to put up anything, whether it was a stream or if it was a drive-in, you really had to overcome so many fucking obstacles. Totally. It's, <laughs> it's a completely different thing to like compete against every fun thing you can do on Chicago on a Tuesday night. It's a totally other thing to compete against the entire internet, you know, like you really like have to have like a cultivated like sense of community that will like listen to you and be like, Hey, watch our stream. Empty bottle was, we were, I mean, we were a bit slow to go to the live stream, but I think that's the most we've done. We started with um, a kind of a, every other Friday, I believe program called music friendly distancing, um, <laughs> play off our music friendly dancing um, slogan. But it was it, in hindsight to look back on it and be like, I'm really proud of that. But in the moment it was, stressful like i mean a we were recording on our roof because of course we were like we were like this just isn't hard <laughs> enough let's go up on the roof guys and uh it was just like we don't have cameras we don't have tripods like how many people are like this was in may or june we're like how many people can be up here and feel safe just with covid or existing on our roof like how many people can actually stand up here <laughs> and so now i look back and i'm like wow we like you know for being had, having have transitioned from being like, this will be two weeks, this will be three weeks, this will be a month, like the kind of like mental Olympics that was, and then being able to do that in that time, like I'm really, really proud of the work we did. And I'm really proud of every single venue and production company and promoter that like went through that and just flipped it on a dime. Because I think that that is like so impressive. And like you said, Dom, it really speaks to like the hustle that this industry has. 
You were ahead of us, Adam. Like, how did it affect you? I was curious. You know, fortunately enough uh, for us, even though, you know, two, two thirds or three quarters of our business was completely just like all of yours was completely crushed by all of this. You know, we started, uh, Michael Johnson and I started Audio Tree in 2010, where we started streaming live music, where uh, we essentially were like, well, you know, let's just start trying this out before like YouTube was anything but cat videos and, and you know, whatever. We're like, let's set up a YouTube channel and let's just start streaming it. So it was kind of, it was crazy because, um, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, uh, of course, it, it hit us just like as hard as it hit everybody else. But all of a sudden, we were kind of uh, from the other side, I guess, a little bit like, whoa, we're like the, one of the few that are equipped to do exactly this and stream stuff. Like we knew it was never, ever going to replace live music. Nothing's going to ever replace live music. And that as time went on and we, and we started doing our, uh, this live stream we call staged from, from Lincoln Hall, we st started doing those. You know, we, we started to get a little more optimistic about it because we knew, you know, it was going to take a while, but eventually shows were going to start again. Eventually people are, you know, artists are never going to stop writing music and fans are never going to want to stop going to see shows. It's just how long is it going to take to get there? And a lot of the hurdles we had as a company, uh, Audio Tree, starting in, in 2010, 2011, it was really convincing whether it was labels or managers or whatever that was like, no, you should come and stream it. It's, it's pretty, it, you know, we're pretty bad. It looks great. Sounds great. It's just, uh, it's not meant to replace any of your anything. It's not like we're trying to end live music. It's not like we're trying to you know, cannibalize your, your record sales or whatever. We're just trying to add another supplement to it. Um, uh, so from that perspective, I've, I feel pretty positive about, you know, coming out of this because now all of a sudden people are like, whoa, we have to do this now. And there's been a lot more people that have been writing us. I mean, now, crazily enough, like Audio Tree, we're, we're busier than ever. We've had the busiest like, six months. I mean, really the busiest last year in our existence because, I mean, we just had a team in Nashville uh, last week because Julian Baker just released a record. We recorded the bit for her that was on Seth Meyers last night, a couple other pieces for, and she did a stage that we're uh, releasing in a couple of weeks. Uh, then we had a crew fly out to LA because there's other venues around that are like, we don't know what to do. What do you guys do? How do you do this? And so we flew out to LA and did a uh, live stream for an artist named Julia Holter out there last week too. So, so it's been kind of crazy because it's like, oh, wow. All of a sudden we're like, whoa, we feel like we should be doing something about this. But still, I mean, everything was in the beginning, literally locked down. So no one was doing anything. No one was doing so. Uh, it's been a crazy year, but um, again, I'm optimistic about everybody coming back. The demand just has to be pent up and just raging. I mean, people, I feel like once, as soon as it's safe and people feel safe to do it again, people are going to want to go out and like go crazy. It's going to be nuts. Like, I don't even. I've been saying, I'm like, if every single one of my shows isn't sold out at the end of this, guys, like you guys better come out here. No, I, I've been actually talking to friends and I'm like, look, you need to set aside a good two or three thousand dollars because when shows come back, like they're all going to tour next summer, like everyone's going to tour at once. So if you like more than three artists, guess what? Like you're going to be buying a lot of tickets in the near future, which is great for the community. I mean, there's uh, a lot to celebrate. Uh, that's why we should be happy. We had discovered a lot of things. They were there, but... Uh, we, we did not need them. And now the, the creativity and ingenuity of, of the artists producing, doing, and yeah, at this point there is some type of fatigue of streaming and all of that. So people do want it to go out and, and they will be risking a little bit. And that's why we have to really kind of be on top of the situation and make sure that we take care of, 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 of 
of ourselves and make sure that we treat them with respect and uh, allow them to come and join us and enjoy these live concerts. In the meantime, that is what we have. And, and we had to do the best we, we, we can with what we have. There's a lot of people who are complaining and, and that does it, that the complaint that creates a stress and then uh, people start going down and some of them kill themselves. But no, the, the artists, they are leading. It's, it's a different breed of, of humankind that really are leading. And that's a responsibility that we have. How can we show that there is light at the end of the tunnel and, and be looking forward to really greeting and hugging people and shaking hands and laughing together? That is irreplaceable. Uh, I wouldn't say that we have lost us. Let's think that that is being postponed. But uh, it's coming back, coming back, and we will be doing that, hugging each other and drinking and laughing and having fun and, and go home and come back again. So something else I was curious about, because I know all of you, you've been in the event world for, you know, I mean, collectively a very long time, but everyone's got such a storied history. I know all of you have seen once in a lifetime shows, once in a lifetime moments on stage, backstage. What are some of the favorite memories each of you have from you know years of presenting or even attending live music? Uh, one of one of my good memories is uh, just about a year ago, uh, actually, which on the recording of this is about a week after the actual year mark of the Radius opening, and a year since we've had Carl Cox, and Carl Cox hasn't been to Chicago in a very very long time. And it was our opening night, and we had over five thousand people there, and it was it was it was glorious, and it gave me like a glimpse into you know what the future would hold. Uh, unfortunately, we were shut down like the next day uh, because of COVID, I believe. But I am holding on to that experience as what we can get back to, and so that was something that was magical for me. Yeah, we packed the par uh, the par west. I don't know if still around an Hermitage twice with a theater group and I mean a, a tango group that was phenomenal. I mean, we scheduled a group for one uh, performance and then we had to do two performances in the same line, 800 people there. I mean, packed to capacity. And, and those things, I think I, they, they will come back because the talent is there and, and people are hungry for quality um, shows. I think mine is, um... I'm huge about Chicago. My ultimate goal is, and my ultimate dream is to see Chicago, as many beautiful people as it is across the entire city, uh, seeing more diverse events coming together. And I think uh, one of the things that I take pride in is um, when Common decided to do Fest. To me, that was probably one of the most diverse festivals. And the effort was really just so many different partners from React to Akira, so many different partners coming together to put that all together, down with his activations and all that kind of stuff. So I think my biggest memory was seeing that this festival, because we didn't have the budgets like other festivals, to see that I was able to pick up the phone and um, and common and everybody pick up the phone that we had from Dave. We went from only two people performing on that to 12, we had to start telling people no. And we had Dave Chappelle, we had Kanye, we had everybody come and represent and just show love for Chicago. I just wish now that we're in a situation where we've had a pandemic, civil unrest, we had unemployment, we had the people that really we look at to fund 
Um, like if people look for all of our festivals and all of our stuff, we're the people that were truly impacted. I, I now wish that we all can come together and it won't be perfect, but it'd be better than what it was because right now the north side not popping, downtown not popping, west side not popping, south side not popping. So my thing is to make that Offest feeling throughout Chicago. I love that. And that first Offest, especially like I was there that night, yes. that was special. That was a special Thank night you. of live music. And, you know, like there's so much you could say about it. I know we got to move on, but I will say this. That was maybe the last time it felt like I was going to see old Kanye. When he was there that yeah. night and he was up there with all of his Chicago collaborators, I was like, yeah. this is not Kardashian Kanye. This is Chicago Kanye. And that was special. I know David Chappelle and Kanye in the same room. It was, yeah. it was magical. Kanye thought he was only going to do two songs and it was magical. he did an hour and I was back there. They were trying to do curfew. I'm like, <laughs> no, like he just, he just felt the love of Chicago. And I'm and I, if I wish I, you all could really just see and feel that festival to me, that is what Chicago should be. It was everybody there. Everybody loving music. Nobody was caring about violence nobody was caring about race ethnicity oh who's at the door it was just love and so i just wish all of that just resonate and since we ain't got nothing going on now let's bring it back the right way <laughs> was ryan fest there with oh yeah everybody mm -hmm. who was somebody twister right was twist everybody everybody who was somebody everybody yeah everybody who <laughs> was somebody was there like literally Everybody was there. And it was literally where I had to say, no, you can't go on stage. Well, I don't know. Like it really, yeah. Molly and I weren't there. You should have been. Well, everybody, Katie. anybody who was anybody. Look, look Katie, Matt, look, Katie, I know. I I was, if I had known Kanye was around, I would have been there. Look, Katie, is, Katie is my new love. She, yeah. wherever I go, she gonna know she always included because she's a G. <laughs> yeah. OG. OG, the OG. <laughs> Adam, what about you? I'm sure you've seen so many shows over the years, you know, Lincoln Hall, Shuba's Audio Tree, and you know, that's just the venues you're and the operations you're involved with. Yeah, gosh. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, where do you even start? Um, gosh, let's see. Uh, what would be one of my favorite events? You know, I, I think we did uh, one of our, one of my uh, favorite moments slash one of the uh, biggest achievements I think we've had as a company was we put on a music festival in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is where Michael Johnston and I are from. And, uh, you know, it was like one of those things when we started audio, we were like, you know, one year we're going to have a music festival. And I think a lot of you know, people on this panel too, it's like, that's just something like, Oh, you gotta have a music festival. And so that was what we wanted to do. So we started small six, seven years ago. And then we had a few years leading up to it where we kept, kept trying to push it. Of course, you know, Kalamazoo, Michigan, it's a, there's 75,000 people in that city, but it's a, it's a pretty small town. We're like, we're going to do it. It's going to be cool. And, you know, the production was top notch. We was like filmed and streamed everything. So it was really awesome. Um, but, you know, we had a couple sets with like uh, Father John Misty Lizzo played a handful of years ago, like right before she went like popped. Just all that, putting all that together in Kalamazoo on this like little Arcadia Creek Festival site, which has been there for 20 plus years uh, downtown doing that and us building that from scratch, you know. Unfortunately, we never were able to get enough people to come out to do it anymore. But uh, it was always a, like a crowning achievement of, uh, of for us in our company that we pulled like the Lincoln Hall Shubas team and the Audio Tree team, and then we put on this festival and we booked a bunch of bands that we had to play pay a ton of money to, and um, it was it was awesome. So some of those years, last year we did it was 2019, I think, and that was uh, that was that was an awesome year. So that's one of my favorite moments. 
in our business and, and uh, also just a great moment in general. I would have to say for me, like, it's actually funny because it, I mean, it, I think it just passed the year anniversary. Um, it's actually the brainchild of my coworker, Brent Hale. Um, we do a music festival outside called Music Frozen Dancing in February. Um, we just throw a street fest. We section off a, like a part of the street that's next to the bottle. And we have an outdoor festival in the middle of winter in Chicago. And some years you're lucky and it's really warm and other years it's snowing. And even, you know, predating my time of working at the bottle, that was one of my favorite like things to do in the winter. Cause it's like kind of just that like endorphin bump you need to get through like the worst month of winter in Chicago. It's like, oh yeah, like outside is something that might realistically be a place we can hang out in three months. But yeah, that was uh, kind of one of the last big events that we were able to have at the bottle. And uh, it was crazy. I think I was there from like, gosh, 10 in the morning until like one in the morning the next day or something. <laughs> well, you know, I know everybody is being really generous with their time tonight. So let's go out with this. Uh, I want to ask this question. I, I feel like this is one that everyone's going to have an awesome answer for. What does it mean for each of you to be part of the music community in Chicago, I mean, this this is a special city. We all know that. We all feel it. We all recognize it. Anybody who's gone to a show in Chicago knows this. But what does it really mean to be behind the scenes, to be a maker, a producer, a presenter in a city like this? There's a lot of pressure, um, you know, like especially, you know, across the board. The, the city's known for so many firsts. It's known for creating so much. Uh, the culture is really what's so important about Chicago. It's rich with culture. You know, like it's the home of house music. We've had so many amazing blues artists here. So to be a part of what's happening behind the scenes, for me, it feels like we're writing the next chapter. You know, when when my kids or or Juan's kids look back and they and they look and see what was happening in this space and this time, I've always wanted to be a part of that. And so for me, it's uh, it's always moving strategically, just not not just thinking about this moment and this show and making money, you know, while, you know, a lot of shows make money, a lot of them lose money. It's about being a part of that first step, you know, and how, how can, you know, for instance, like when uh, Adam spoke about Lizzo, there's so many artists that we put in small rooms so that we could have them back in the larger rooms so that Chicago could have that vibe. You know what I mean? It's about the long history. It's about the validation. It's about, you know, for me, it's it's really about the culture, you know, to, to be like kind of corny. It's it's about it's about the culture and being a part of that and and knowing that I had a hand in curating that for uh, years in the future. I'd say it's an honor. And the other thing is, is what's so great about Chicago is we really embrace the music. Like you go to other cities and they're all kind of like mm -hmm. Chicago. They're like in it. You know, they want to be a part of it. And a lot of um, cross collaboration happens too. And I think that kind of what um, Molly and Juan, well, what everyone's been saying is, I think this time has shown us that we all really need each other and we will continue to work together and underscoring the fact that music heals. And Chicago, we all know it, Chicago is very segregated and separated. And I think- you better preach, take us to yeah, church. So I, yeah, so I think now is the time. I mean, we are all of us collectively together and it happens, uh, you know, often in our clubs. It's one of the last few places where people co-mingle and stuff and everybody has to wait in line for a drink and everybody has to wait in line for the bathroom. No one's special, right? We're all, 
So I think it's an opportunity for us to make some changes here. But I love Chicago because, you know, people really embrace it and they're open to new ideas and they're they're interested in working on different projects together. And I'll piggyback on that because, like I said, I think one of the things that I tell everyone that COVID stopped my paycheck, but it increased my passion. And I say that because... Um, I got to know Katie. I got to know some phenomenal people in the music world. And I was blessed to be, um, prior to COVID, I was blessed to be a co-chair of, um, which is now the Year of Chicago Music. I'm a co-chair and it has allowed me to see the platform and how we as the culture embrace music, but we also need the city to embrace our music, which means the city needs to now make it known who comes from Chicago, who so that these artists that are great, um, they have to go other places to be known and then come back. So I think there's so much that we can do. And I think collectively before COVID started, we were creating that, that togetherness. And I think with COVID hit, it actually made us look at each other and say, we have to make change. And the only way, the only way to do it is through music because everybody loves music. You know what I mean? I love, I love hearing everything from Cheap Trick to Donald Lawrence to Frankie Knuckles. I love hearing all of it. And there's so many, and when I see that there's so many other people of other races that enjoy the same thing, I think that um, being a part of that culture and like with me, I'm open. And I, I always tell people I'm in this blessed space where they just put me on, there's a, there's a new committee with the mayor for three years to be on tourism and culture. And I take that very seriously where I want to talk to everyone that's on this panel to say, hey, what are your thoughts? I'm not looking for Juan to be the person to bring and bring things back, but tell, let's talk as a task force to say, how can we do this together? What are some of your, your biases that you don't understand that I can tell you as a black woman? What are my, some of my things as a, a black woman don't understand with white, with Asian and Hispanic? So I think if we have those true conversations the thing that we have to understand is that we're in a we're in a space where everybody loves us. We're in music. So why not take where everybody loves and use our influence with music to bring as much as possible together to really show how Chicago should be? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, one, you hit the nail on the head. It's like you'd be very, very hard pressed to find someone that doesn't love music or at least have it be a part of their lives, whether it's when they're driving their car or when they're, you know, around washing the dishes or whatever it's it's important i think that's what's so great about chicago i mean we're the third largest city in the country but uh you know i feel like of course this is sort of a stereotype but you know a lot of the uh, a lot of uh, musicians that are in la or in new york are a lot of times transplants that had gone there because they're from somewhere else but they're like i want to be in music so they go to la and new york and for the most part the core of chicagoans and especially the people that make up the artists and the, and the musicians and all of that are they're, they're from the area they're from the midwest they're from Chicago and or its suburbs. And uh, I think that just creates a really tight knit uh, group, not just on the artistry front, but everybody that's involved in, in, in the music business. And it's, uh, yeah, it's like, like everybody's saying, it's, it's a time to really like reflect on what, what's been going on. And, uh, and I like what you said, Juan, about, you know, it increased, uh, cancel your paycheck, but increase your, uh, what was the word you used? It increased my passion. Passion. That's <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's just you have it. to have passion. It's passion. It's just it's got to be. You know, it's got to. Uh, it's got to get back to that. And I feel like this has really brought everybody closer together because we really had to like bear down and be like, all right, here we go. We have no idea when we're gonna be able to open up again. Who knows how long this is gonna take? 
you know, what's this going to look like when we get on the other side of this? And it's really one of the few industries, along with restaurants, of course, too, that have like just been shut down, you know, just completely shut down. And so, uh, yeah, it's such a great tight knit community. And I feel like that's going to really help us all get back, uh, get back on our feet much quicker and, you know, get uh, the artists back in the rooms as quick as possible. So that is why we had to realize that we, we are in a place that is special that is so unique and sometimes people, because I deal with a lot of artists from abroad. And so anyone in Europe would think New York, LA, and, and when they get to Chicago, they are blown away. Uh, find something, people are warm and they are embraced and calm. And then we have a hospitality group that also they then to listen to blues, jazz, and sometimes go to the opera or the symphony, depends what they wanted. And then the food. So they find Chicago to be such a great city. And at some point they, they become ambassadors of the city to their respective groups. I mean, we have had people from Amsterdam, from Oslo, uh, from Barcelona, Madrid, Buenos Aires, uh, Mexico City, and, and Rio. And, and those people, is, again, it's a revelation that they, and they get these memories and, and go away with them. And the beauty of this, they wanted to come back. And that makes me really happy and, and doing something that I, in a way, and sort of the connector, the one that makes happen things here and get people uh, connected to. And I mean, I keep going doing doing this because because that is sort of a part of what enriches my life and that makes me who I am. Molly, bring us home. Yeah, um, just to kind of, I mean, sum up what everybody else has said, like something that just keeps popping into my head and I don't know why, but it's like sometimes when I think of Chicago, I literally just think of when you're here, your family, like it really <laughs> just- Olive Garden. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's like, but, but you get it, right? Like when we're Chicago here- Chicago is totally like an Olive Garden, yeah. Like an <laughs> Olive Garden. Um, just like when you're, like regardless of if you exist in Chicago and live here and, you know, just work in the music industry or production or events, or you're passing through, like, I think that just echoing what everybody else said, like we're a tight knit community and we make people feel really welcome. And that's something that I'm really proud to be a part of is how we kind of let everybody feel like they're part of Chicago. I love it. Um, This was incredible. I know all of you have like, you all could be places. I greatly appreciate you being part of this event tonight, getting this many people, especially this many talented people in one virtual setting. It's, it's no small accomplishment. So thank you all for taking time to be here tonight, to be part of 312 Day. I appreciate it. I know everyone else does. And we're all very lucky to have been able to get some insight into, you know, where we are with live music, where live music could be going from the people who are on the forefront of this. Uh, Don Brown, Pepe Vargas, Molly Mobley, Katie Tutton, Adam Thurston, and Juan Teague. Thank you all for being part of 312 Day tonight.